Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking about the Navajo Nation's struggle with the novel coronavirus. We'll break down how the Navajo Nation has responded to COVID-19, as well as the federal government's assistance. We'll also cover how the nation has been disproportionately affected by the virus. The nation's response started in early March when President Jonathan Nez declared a state of emergency. But at the time, there were no confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the area. And days later, the nation was closed to visitors after three confirmed cases were reported. By early April, it was the hardest hit area in the state. Coronavirus infections and deaths are ripping through the Navajo Nation, located in three different states. With an already vulnerable population, coordinating care and information is not easy. The Navajo Nation is located in parts of Arizona, Utah, and New Mexico. More than half of the cases involve residents in Arizona counties. They've enacted some of the strictest policies in the state of Arizona, including nightly and weekend-long curfews. Even so, the virus continues to spread. Here to talk about that with us is breaking news reporter Chelsea Curtis. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Chelsea. So give our listeners a sense of what the Navajo have been doing to curb the spread of coronavirus uh, in on their nation. Well, the Navajo Nation recently extended for the third time their state of emergency to June 7th. It uh, further extends closures of uh, government operations, except those deemed essential, and also restricts employee travel. Uh, Other actions the tribe has implemented include requiring residents two years old and older to wear face masks in public, as well as 57-hour weekend curfews uh, since Easter. Yeah, so that curfew part has really been sort of amazing, just how long it's been in effect and uh, just how aggressive it seems to be. But it also kind of begs the question of compared to what we've been seeing both from the state of Arizona and in other uh, places around the country, uh, how in how aggressively are they enforcing these curfews? Uh, have you heard of folks getting in trouble or are people being respectful of, of those curfew orders? Yeah, there's uh, quite a difference, actually, in how uh, the tribe is handling uh, implementing those curfews uh, in comparison with uh, Maricopa County implementing stay-at-home orders. Uh, When first announcing the weekend curfews, officials uh, warned that criminal nuisance citations would be issued to violators, which doesn't include people traveling for emergencies or essential employees with the proper ID. The citations could result in a fine up to $1,000 or 30 days in jail, but those penalties would ultimately be decided by a Navajo Nation court. The Navajo Police Department said it increased patrols in various parts of the Navajo Nation during the weekend curfews. They also operated some roadblocks and some public safety announcement checkpoints. Some of those checkpoints occurred um, a few days 
before the curfew to educate the residents about the curfew. So, Chelsea, do you have any kind of sense of of exactly how much police activity or citations uh, have been involved in enforcing all this? Yes. Uh, During the tribe's first four 57-hour weekend curfews, 824 citations were issued by the police department. More than half, 494, were issued specifically for curfew violations, while the rest were for traffic violations. I haven't yet received the total number of citations issued by the police department during its most recent 57-hour curfew this past weekend, Uh, but they're issuing at least 100 citations a weekend, which is definitely more than what we're hearing about here in Maricopa County. Uh, During a recent town hall, Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez expressed frustration with people not abiding by the curfews. The most recent weekend curfew was stricter than previous ones. Uh, requiring all businesses to close, including ones deemed essential and previously allowed to remain open. So, Chelsea, give us a sense of why the coronavirus has been such an acute problem for the Navajo to begin with. Uh, A recent article by another Arizona Republic reporter, Deb Kroll, found that a lack of water in homes may be a factor for the rapid spread because it limits people's abilities to wash their hands for 20 seconds per the Centers for Disease Control guidelines. According to a John Hopkins Center for American Indian Health report, 12% of homes throughout Indian country lack water compared with 0.6% of all American homes. But according to State Senator Jamasita Pashlikai, the number may be between 40 to 50%. Shoot, man, your president sitting right here where I live, no running water still. We still haul water. We need to get water to all those citizens just in case of another bug, another pandemic in the future. Also often cited as contributing factors are a lack of infrastructure, multi-generational homes, and indigenous people as a group having higher rates of underlying health conditions such as diabetes. Health experts say those conditions put people at a higher risk of symptoms or death should they contract the virus. So during President Trump's uh, recent visit to Phoenix, he announced the Navajo Nation would receive $600 million in federal aid. So the amount of money that's being uh, sent to Indian country, as we call it, is the largest amount in the history of the U.S. And you deserve it. Thank you a lot. Do you know if they have received that money yet, and do you have an idea how they might put it to work? Yes, the Navajo Nation received the funding on May 6th, a day after Trump's visit. Recently, Nez discussed during another online town hall the tribe's plans for the funding, which the Farmington Daily Times wrote a story about. The tribe has until December 30th to use the funds. Speaker of the Navajo Nation Council, Seth Damon, announced he was sponsoring legislation, the Navajo Nation CARES Act, that would lay the groundwork for how the funds will be dispersed. Nez said his office supports the bill. During the town hall, Nez outlined some of the projects he wanted to pursue, including water access. We can easily use half of the $600 million for water line projects. Expanding electricity. A lot of our citizens need refrigeration, light, Uh, refrigeration, if we're telling people to stay home, then they shouldn't be going to 
the hospital to get their medicine that needs to be refrigerated. And internet service to homes. Stay at home, stay home, but they have to go to these uh, places where there's internet access so that they can turn in their work. We need better broadband and telecommunication. He hopes tackling these issues will help ready the tribe in case of another pandemic in the future. Give us a sense of dimension of how folks have been affected and and how they're processing this really dramatic health crisis. Uh, Take us through the stories that you've had kind of a front seat to. Recently, I spoke with a family in Kayenta who shared with me a story of their daughter, sister, and mother of a one-year-old, Valentina Blackhorse, who at 28 years old died on April 23rd, a day after learning she tested positive for COVID-19. Valentina's family said she had a deep love and appreciation for her Navajo culture. She was fluent in the language, won titles in a handful of Miss Navajo pageants, the most recent being Miss Western Navajo in 2015-2016, and even aspired to be Navajo Nation Council delegate or president one day. Valentina's family said they believe she contracted the virus while caring for her boyfriend of five years, Robbie Jones. Robbie told me he thought he got the virus at work as a detention officer with the Navajo Department of Corrections. Valentina's family said she always reminded them to stay home, to wear their gloves and masks if they had to go out. She was even careful when caring for Robbie, which he said he tried to stop her from doing early on, but she insisted. Robbie said he stayed in isolation in the home while she brought him food and water. Valentina eventually became sick and was taken to a clinic in Kienta a few times, but had fears about being admitted. They learned she was positive for COVID-19 on April 22nd, but the next day she died at the clinic while doctors were making arrangements to take her to a hospital in Flagstaff. Valentina was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at a young age, which doctors told Robbie likely contributed to her death. Yeah, we all saw that story. It's it's just really heart-wrenching stuff. Um, what is the response that you've gotten uh, to these kinds of stories? Honestly, a majority of the feedback I've received has fallen into the how can I help or here's how I'm helping categories. People have asked where and what they can donate, while many others just want to get word out about how they're helping, whether it's donating water, care packages, or PPE to the tribe. Others have thanked me for my coverage of the Navajo Nation. One man from Phoenix was nice enough to tell me my stories inspired him to make a series of donations to hospitals in Ganado, Chinle, and Gallup, New Mexico. While I can't take full credit for that, it just goes to show the impact some of these stories are having on people. Okay, so let's get to that question then. How do you help if you want to uh, do something to try and help uh, folks on the, the tribal nations? The best way to help the tribe is through their Navajo Nation COVID-19 relief fund, which was specifically created by the tribe. They're accepting monetary and non-monetary donations to help them through the pandemic Uh, The donations would be used to address medical and community needs with an emphasis on COVID-19 patients or people deemed high risk. Medical donations would include things like N95 masks, face shields, gloves, gowns. They've also asked for ventilators and sanitizer. Community donations are things like disposable or fabric masks, cleaning supplies, non-perishable food, 
paper products, baby supplies, and livestock and pet food. A full list of the Navajo Nation's needs are available at www.nndoh.org slash donate.html. Donations can be made through the tribe's GoFundMe campaign titled Official Navajo Nation COVID-19 Relief Fund or by calling the tribe's donation branch at 928-871-6206. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on. Listeners, be sure to follow her reporting by going to azcentral.com and clicking on local. Chelsea, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, My Twitter handle is uh, Curtis underscore Chels. That's C-U-R-T-I-S underscore C-H-E-L-S. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. It really seems as though the overarching theme, um, at least from folks up in the Navajo Nation, is that the federal government's response to help them deal with this unfolding crisis was inadequate at best. Yeah, this has really been sort of uh, Arizona's COVID tragedy and all of this. The state seems to have done reasonably okay to this point, but when you look at Navajo Nation in particular, it's hard to describe it as anything other than disastrous and um, almost uncaring. The Trump administration took more than a month to start rolling out financial aid that had already been approved by Congress and signed into law by the president, um, and the tribes had to go to court to try and get that money to make sure that it wasn't just uh, siphoned off so that it went to for-profit corporations as much as it went to the tribal governments themselves. One of the tribal beauty queens uh, for the Navajo Nation uh, is a fatality in all of this. So, uh, you know, just at the human level, at the macro governmental level, this has just been uh, a story of too little, too late, I think. And I, I... We'd like to think that that is now behind us as the government sort of ramps up its efforts. But um, House Democrats really are sort of looking to see if that will continue to be the case or we'll see continued foot dragging. And it seemed like the president tried to sort of shift the conversation, Yvonne, with his recent visit to Phoenix. Um, he scheduled time to meet with some of the tribal officials and, and wanted to acknowledge uh, the need for more action on the reservations. Do you think that this sort of works uh, for rebooting the, the tribal relationship? Well, I certainly think that it was an attempt to to try and to put, you know, the nation, which is just reeling under the weight of these cases and these fatalities um, in the national spotlight. I don't know that this attention uh, is exactly what he wanted, though. Um, the President Nez essentially said that it was a slap in the face for Indian country once again for the U.S. government uh, to refuse to distribute the $8 billion that, you know, it was supposed to get under the CARES Act. And I think the president really just drew a national and international attention to the fact that the nation, you know, was among those who was really trying to fight to get those dollars. Um, and we heard Vice President Myron Lizar talk um, a little bit about it. He 
he was not happy with the Treasury's decision to hold back some of those dollars. And um, Nez essentially addressed this in a virtual town hall with his people and, you know, pr- had some pretty harsh uh, criticism of the of the president and of the administration for for holding back some of these some of these dollars. And I think we're going to continue to hear a lot uh, from folks in the Navajo Nation as we head into the 2020 cycle, right? I mean, you're covering the congressional District 1 race where Tom O'Halloran is really trying to hang on to that seat. Yeah, uh, the tribal vote is pretty significant in his district. It's almost a quarter of the voters there. Um, and this has been a real pocket of strong support for Democrats over the years, whether it's Ann Kirkpatrick or uh, Tom O'Halloran. And I think that the situation right now um, is... Uh, such that it's hard to see how any Republican candidate, whether it's Tiffany Shad or somebody else, um, really is going to be able to cut into uh, O'Halloran's um, normal support level from the tribes. And I must say that O'Halloran has been personally very active in trying to address the tribal needs really since the beginning of this outbreak. So politically, this is something that could be another uh, sort of Uh, thing that hurts Republicans as they try and retake the House. All right, well, we will continue to cover the pandemic and its effect on the Navajo Nation. You can check out that coverage on azcentral.com. That's it for today, Gaggle listeners. And while we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Audio in today's episode came from PBS. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.